This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. And this is Craig Williams from sunny Southern California, where it's about 90 degrees today. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and a book out called How to Get Sued, Bob. And it's that time of year when I don't want to be reminded of how beautiful the weather is in California since I'm in (laughs) Massachusetts and it's getting cold already. But I write a blog called Law Sites, another blog called Media Law, and Legal Blog Watch for Law.com. Well, Craig, uh, happy anniversary. Uh, Today is a special edition of Lawyer to Lawyer. We're marking our third anniversary, our 150th show. Uh, We've covered a lot of legal topics over the past three years, and a lot has happened in the legal world during that time. Some of the issues we've hit on, law firm recruiting, law students, paralegals, senior partners, fraudulent products in China, hot practice specialties, Green Law. We've had a glimpse into the Saddam Hussein trial. We've talked about the RIAA litigation against uh, file-sharing defendants. Talked about uh, controversial and not-so-controversial Supreme Court rulings, legalization of gay marriage on both coasts. We've dissected the Scooter Libby trial, gained insight into uh, the impact of two different hurricanes on legal communities in in Louisiana and Texas. Uh, And that's just some of what we've done. Well, Bob, thanks for wishing us happy anniversary, and uh, happy anniversary to you, too, and to our staff, uh, Mike Hockman and Kate Kenny and Scott Hess and Luann Reeb, who've done just a stellar job for us in the background over the last three years. But um, here, we've here. also covered some historical events, uh, including this current presidential race with a woman and an African-American, uh, as well as the largest bankruptcy case in the United States, not to mention some of the very high-profile lawyers in the world as guests and a few judges. It's not often that we get to toot our own horn, but uh, your 150 shows makes up about 300 great guests, and thanks to our growing audience, we have well over a million downloads. Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to hand down memory lane with some highlights. We're going to talk to some returning guests, play some clips from some standout shows with some guests who've inspired us, educated us, and even made us laugh. Well, I'm just thinking if only we had a dollar for each of those downloads, we wouldn't be doing this anymore. Uh, (laughs) We ought to start charging. (laughs) We ought to start charging. Uh, well, today, uh, in order to kick off the show, we're going to welcome back uh, one of our very special uh, uh, early guests on the program, Professor Eugene Volok, uh, who is, of course, a professor at UCLA School of Law and uh, founder of the very popular legal blog, The Volok Conspiracy. Uh, professor Volok was on our show way back in October of 2005, talking about the topic then was uh, lawyers, guns, and money, but uh, today we'll turn our sights to more contemporary topics. Welcome to the program, Eugene Volok. Uh, great to be on, and happy anniversary. Well, thank you very much, Professor Volok. We understand that the uh, Volok conspiracy just hit one million unique visitors uh, this September. That's right. This is one million unique visitors this this past month, uh, uh, and that's up uh, about a third uh, from uh, our previous uh, record month, uh, which was also earlier this year. 
Hard to say exactly why. Maybe it's the election. People are getting excited. Maybe it's some of the blogging we've been doing about the bailout. Though, actually, I haven't been the one doing the blogging. It's been my uh, my excellent co-bloggers. Uh, or maybe it's just a broader trend of people looking more and more online for, uh, for news, but also for commentary, for opinion, and getting it from people who actually who know, like you folks, like us, people who are, who are uh, professionals in the field and not just generalist uh, uh, reporters uh, who, are, who often are quite knowledgeable, but sometimes not as knowledgeable in the media, in newspapers, on television, and the like. It seems this morning that uh, CNN has said that the House website is completely overwhelmed with people going online and trying to let their senators and congressmen know what uh, they think about the bailout. Do you think that there's been, a over the past five years, a, a major trend toward online usage as opposed to uh, any other type of getting a way to get your news or get your word out? Well, surely there has been such a trend, in part because... Uh, online media are still relatively new. People are still getting used to them. They're still getting materially better every year in a way that offline media just can't because they because they've been around for a long time. Uh, so uh, it's it's pretty clear there has been such a trend. It's also pretty clear that today people still pay more attention to offline sources than online sources. But substantial chunks are, uh, uh, of of the population are getting most of their sources uh, uh, online. I, I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, but my recollection is about 17 percent in the last uh, uh, survey that I saw, and that number is only going to increase. Uh, part of the, of course, uh, one thing you have to ask is when they say online, do they mean CNN.com or WashingtonPost.com or do they mean you folks or us? Um, if uh, people are just moving to reading things online but from traditional news sources, that's important because it suggests uh, that the news sources have to uh, exploit uh, their online presence as much as possible, but it suggests uh, a difference in uh, in physical medium without much of a difference in, uh, uh, in who is being listened to. On the other hand, to the extent, and I haven't seen the data on this, but the extent that people are looking more to bloggers, to, uh, to academics on their own sites, uh, uh, to original sources like census data or other data uh, directly on the Internet, uh, that's more than just a change of technology. It's a change of uh, uh, which voices are being listened to. Well, what about for you? What's, what's, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing the blogging for a long time. Now, what, what drives this for you? What's the interest? What's, how does it tie into your day job? Well, we love to talk, right? We are law professors. <laughs> Why else would we become law professors if we didn't think that we had interesting ideas that we wanted to spread to the world? Both original ideas, that's part of our research mission. We come up with original perspectives on things, and then we want to publicize them. But also uh, also popularizing and explaining things that are well-known. That's part of our teaching mission. We do it for our students. We've long done it in op-eds. makes perfect sense we would do it. Uh, we would do it on the blog. Uh, so uh, I think for many people, uh, communicating to the public, communicating their views to the public, helping educate the public uh, about the law, that's an end in and of itself. It also helps us in some respects. It uh, helps us develop our scholarship. Sometimes uh, we have interesting research questions. We ask our, uh, our readers for help. Uh, um, uh, uh, but, and sometimes it allows us just to publicize the things that we've discovered. And, uh, but, uh, but in many respects, uh, it's just about liking to talk 
to other fellow citizens about things you care about. I think that's a very normal thing. Man is a social animal, uh, and see, man is a political animal. I think ever since uh, uh, ever since uh, humans were on the steps of uh, of East Africa, uh, they um, they were interested in communicating their views about what the tribe or the band should do. Uh, that's still part of our DNA. Well, back in 1997, Professor Bollock, you did a very well-received and uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek uh, post on, or not a post, rather, but an article, law review article on N guilty men. No, no, that was the other Bollock. That was my brother, Alexander that was your brother? Bollock, who actually, just a few years ago, clerked for Justice Alito. Uh, uh, he wrote the article before he went to law school, but then he got a law degree, a economics PhD, clerked for Justice Alito. Uh, now he's visiting for a year in Houston, uh, where uh, his wife, my sister-in-law, is uh, clerking for a circuit judge, and he'll be teaching at Emory starting this coming fall. Well, glad you pointed that out. The question that I wanted to follow it up with was, do you think that there's going to be a, a kind of a groundswell change from uh, print law review articles to online? Um, I, I think that 50 years from now, we will be reading very little on paper, and we'll be re- uh, we will be reading on uh, most of what we read on the great-great-grandchildren of the Kindle and other kinds of electronic readers. It's just superior in so many ways. It's more compact, more searchable, easier to read in foreign languages, easier to look up, uh, follow links, easier to look up words you don't know, and the like. Um, uh, but that's 50 years from now. Even today, when I find an article online, for example, using the Hein online service, which allows me to, ha- to look at the article as it was printed on the page, I still often print it out because... Given current technology, it is a little easier on the eyes and a little bit more portable uh, to actually print out the article. So I, I do think at some point everything is going to uh, uh, to online reading, uh, uh, but uh, uh, but that point isn't here yet. I think it'll be coming more and more in the next five or ten years as uh, as uh, uh, Kindles and other such things become more adopted. But it isn't here yet. In part, our topic today is podcasting, since that's the theme of of the program today. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you no, see yourself having your own? I don't. I don't do either. Um, I like text. I find text to be very, very efficient. Um, uh, in the sense that it's so much, it's much quicker to read text and much easier to look back on text and search text than it is for audio. Uh, but I might feel differently if I had, for example, a long commute in which I needed something to listen to. As it happens, my commute right now is relatively short, and I've got my three-year-old and four-year-old in the car with me, and we listen to Russian music because I'm trying to teach them Russian, Russian children's music. So I don't wouldn't listen to podcasts there uh, as it is. But if I had an hour-long commute or even half-hour-long commute in which I'd normally listen to the radio, and there was some way of easily getting the podcasts into my car... Why then, in that case, I think I would listen to the podcast. So imagine, for example, at some point, something which really is completely wireless, like the radio dashboard, but instead of tuning to a station, you can do a Google search, find from your car, find the podcast that you want, and have it stream into your car. Well, that would obviously be much better than just having to rely on a radio programmer's judgment or whatever CDs I happen to have in the car. Uh, But what it requires is an interface that makes it very, very easy to do that. One thing that I think we've learned from the internet is the difference between one click and five clicks 
is a very, very big difference. So right now, I could probably take a podcast, download it to an iPod, um, take it into the car with me, but I don't have an iPod. My wife does. I'm not that inclined to get a new one. I don't want to take the time to download it. I'll forget to download it. But if at some point you have this kind of wireless thing in the car that allows you to just play on the car sound system uh, whatever you find on the Internet, and I'm sure that point's going to happen, if not next year in five or ten years, uh, then in that case I think it'll become much more viable medium. I still would prefer to listen to text, uh, I'm sorry, to watch text, uh, read text, uh, than to listen uh, in the car, but uh, when I do, uh, uh, when I'm in a position where I can't uh, uh, read, then I think it's going to become much more viable. Obviously, today, many people still use podcasts, but that's what it would take for me, and I think for a lot of other people, to, be, to really make podcasts a part of their daily diet. Uh, you may be interested to learn that we've discovered that uh, in, in Russia, people are listening to our podcast as part of uh, conversational English courses there. Um, so, oh, yeah. well, that's very good. Uh, they'll learn conversational legalese as well as conversational legalese. As well, yes. We, we know your, your time is short and, and we have to let you go, but we, we'd like to uh, really like to thank you for joining us today for our anniversary show. And if you would, Professor Volok, you can uh, say goodbye to our Russian listeners in Russian. Uh, thank you very much. I was about to say спасибо, but then I realized I, uh, uh, I'm talking to you folks now. Uh, so I should say it in English. Thank you very much for having me. And again, congratulations uh, uh, on your birthday. Do свидания and спасибо to you. Okay. До свидания вам. Well, that was uh, Professor Volok. Uh, and uh, in keeping with today's Topic. We're going to uh, visit, revisit a few clips from past programs, uh, starting with one in which we're going to hear from attorneys John Penn and Victor Bass as they talk about the legal side of the Lehman Brothers collapse uh, in a recent program. There's going to be a big effort, as in any political season, to try to point to how perhaps the regulators under one administration did not do something but then again, you had a lot of ties to the other party inside of um, Freddie and Fannie that contributed to, or that those entities collapsed, contributed to the overall problem that we're dealing with. So there's going to be lots of stuff flying around. It's going to hit a lot of people, but um, what effect it ultimately has, nobody really knows. I think that's absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of proposals between now and the election, a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of blame. Uh, and there probably will be some legislation in the new year. Well, Bob, uh, after that side of the Lehman Brothers collapse, you know, we've got to go back and take a look at some other listeners or some other guests that we've had. And, and one of my favorites was Jerry Spence. And he just doesn't hold back when he talks about his feeling about law school. You know, we've started a new law school here in uh, at the University of California at Irvine. It's supposed to open up in uh, 2009 in the fall. We've got a prominent um, constitutional scholar as the new dean, Erwin Chemerinsky. If you were going to give him some advice about how to train young lawyers, what would you tell him? I would tell him to that I can teach what most trial... I, I can teach the law to about an eighth grader. And that... Um, you know, the, 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 you go through the law school. You go through a law school, and you don't learn anything. That's a little overstatement, but you don't learn very much. And if you, it, it, that, because when you get through with law school, then you have to take a bar course to find out to, 
to to learn what you need to learn in order to pass the bar. What a fraud. What a fraud. I have to, Craig, I have to uh, add to that that uh, I was, when we, when I was playing that show uh, after we had recorded it, my, my 13 year old son was standing nearby listening and uh, I turned it off at some point. He said, don't turn it off. That guy is fascinating. He really liked listening to Jerry Spence. Uh, and sometimes uh, the, the exchange of uh, ideas on our program uh, has led to some fairly brisk conversation uh, on a show that we did entitled Religion, Polygamy, and the Law. Uh, attorney Betsy Branch uh, uh, and lawyer and social critic Wendy Kaminer engaged in uh, what might be considered some verbal jousting on the civil liberties issues in the case. You cannot hold an entire community guilty for what may be the crimes of some of its members, especially when you haven't even proven those crimes. You just suspect them. So, you know, imagine that you're the member of a commune and somebody in your commune is, oh, I don't know, you know, using drugs. And the police go in and they, they take all the children away from all the parents in the compound because there are a couple of parents who they think have been using drugs. That is the equivalent of what happened in this case. Um, I was actually in the courtroom uh, during the hearings on the 17th and 18th. And to say that there was no evidence, there actually was evidence and admissions by some of the young girls to the Child Protective Services um, investigators with regard to the fact that there was indeed uh, a young woman who was there who whose name was the name uh, that's been in the newspapers, and I, since I don't represent her, I'm not going to mention her name on air, um, but that also admitted, um, you know, to being in, entered into these uh, religious marriages under age. And so to say that there was no evidence um, is not an accurate statement. There no, is Betsy, some I, evidence, whether there, you believe it's sufficient. There's no evidence sufficient. that the entire community. You know, that you, you know, I, I, as I've read, there have been, uh, there's, there are, from what I've read, there are some underage girls who are pregnant. I mean, that is surely evidence of sexual abuse. Um, and I understand that there, that there have been some girls who testified to abuse. And if you want to go after the men that they name in their cases, you know, the, the district attorney should do that. Well, there's certainly some verbal sparring. We've had a lot of that on uh, the last three years. There have also been some dramatic moments. You know, we've been, we were deeply moved by our next guest, who's attorney Ray Nero Sr., the attorney who was once a target of the Patent Troll Tracker blog. Here he discusses the threats he received after he was targeted on this site. Did you ever think that that uh, this circumstance, that uh, the reward in outing Rick Frankel would get the kind of attention that it's gotten? Well, it wasn't my intention to do that. Uh, I didn't. Uh, the idea of putting up a reward, obviously, if you're going to get a response to that, you have to get people, you have to broadcast it. So I did broadcast it by telling a reporter uh, that I would put up money to find out who this guy was. I never anticipated the kind of reaction, um, and it was a, uh, a reaction that, that got very personal. Uh, uh, Frankel had on his website a death threat against me um, where somebody said it would be uh, a good thing if I were killed that night. I emailed uh, Frankel via Troll Tracker and said, Look, this is enough. Uh, uh, are you aware of the death threat that was 
posted against me, and he claimed that he was not, although I find it hard to believe that he could not be when it was sitting there for over a month on his website. Dramatic stuff for sure. Uh, The next clip we're going to play is uh, one of our most memorable guests, Simone Monasibian from the United Nations. She was in the courtroom during the Saddam Hussein trial. Here she describes a little bit of what went on in that courtroom. Is it really possible to control Saddam at this point, or uh, is that really going to interfere with him getting a fair trial? Whether it's impossible or not to control the accused is not the issue. The issue is, is it possible to control the courtroom? And yes, it is possible to control the courtroom. And oftentimes that may mean um, telling the accused that if he continues, his microphone will be shut off, as was the case in the Milosevic trial, or that even if the microphone is shut off and he's yelling, and and causing disturbances in the courtroom and has been warned not to do it anymore, that he will be removed from the courtroom. Nevertheless, an international law allows an accused to exit himself from the proceedings either by choice or by force if he is perpetually disruptive, and, and that's also consistent with the United States law and national law, which provide for the same thing. We need to take a short break right now. When we return, we'll revisit with uh, another old friend of Lawyer to Lawyer and highlight uh, some of the shows that we did on the lighter side of the law. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. Visit WestLegalWorks.com to register for the 12th Annual Electronic Discovery and Records Retention Conference being held October 21st and 22nd in New York City. For more information visit westlegalworks.com. Online video is one of the best ways to get the message out about your firm, and Legal Channels is where your firm should be. You can have your firm's video produced by TV professionals and seen on Law.com, Legal Talk Network, and YouTube. Find out more at Law.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com. Just click on Legal Channels. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. All right, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're in the middle of our third anniversary show, celebrating our 150th podcast. Uh, We've had a lot of lawyers on the program with unique expertise and personality over the years. Uh, One of those we'd like to welcome back right now, and that's attorney Larry Savell. Larry practices commercial and civil litigation at Chadbourne Park in New York and uh, is an extremely talented musician and uh, recording artist, I guess. Welcome to the show, Larry. Well, I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for those uh, unduly kind words. Uh, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, I, I try to 
balance the practice of law with uh, keeping things in perspective, and it's great to be here. Well, Larry, you're apparently out with a new album, La- uh, The Law Tunes, Live at Blackacre. That's correct. <laughs> what was uh, what was your inspiration for that? Well, as you know, I've done, before this, I did three holiday-type albums, and some people suggested to me, why don't you try to broaden your horizons a little bit? And actually, they suggest that to me in almost every context of my life. Um, but <laughs> I said, well, that made a lot of sense. So what I've tried to do is to do an album that was not limited to the holiday season and and discussed more aspects of lawyers' existence. And I figured what would be a more natural place for a live concert by a non-existent band in a non-existent location. That's why we're at Blackacre. Well, where do you find the time to do this kind of stuff? Uh, I've just given up on sleeping entirely. But, you know, I mean, this is truly a labor of love, and you just have to make the time. It's like any other pursuit that people have who have a career that's time-consuming as well. You can make the time. Um, I've written song lyrics on the train to and from work, and, you know, you just do it when it strikes you. It's written on napkins and, uh, you know, whatever you get the chance to do it. If it's important to you, you, you can make the time. And even the people with the worst schedules around can make the time to pursue their dreams. So you you have a number of recordings out now. You have, of course, a legal humor website as well. What what kind of feedback do you get from people um, on your about to your songs and your and your recordings? Well, I mean, certainly the feedback I get in the office has always been positive. Uh, virtually every year, I'm invited to play at one of our various uh, holiday functions, which I very much appreciate. The thing I find most amazing is that I get a lot of repeat customers. People, and I'm, to the extent that I can track when people have bought my album. I see a lot of times that when I put out a new album, um, people will buy that too, which I find, uh, aside from being surprising, I think that's that's really nice to have that happen. Uh, I can tell you that when I was last on your show on Amazon.com, sales of my album went from number about 975,000 to about 920,000. So that's you know a pretty significant uh, jump. I think I'm right behind. You know, Burl Ives sings ABBA. <laughs> Clearly, that was all the uh, all from the being on lawyer to lawyer. I'm sure. Well, you know, it's funny about this because one thing I'm trying, I'm just starting to do now, is I'm trying to reach out to some of the legal television shows, the dramas, um, many of which have a very humorous bent to them, and trying to get some of them to use my songs on the on the show. I don't know if anything's going to come of that, but I think it's worth a shot because there are some some pretty cutting edge and funny lawyer shows out there who might be interested. Well, I met David Kelly once, if that would be of any help. Unfortunately, it was before he went to Hollywood. Oh. So. <laughs> and any, anything would help, believe me. <laughs> but um, I also can tell you what I'm working on for down the road. Last time I was on, I, I mentioned the um, Mary Lexmas from the, Lex, uh, from the Law Tunes, which I was working on at the time. I am actually now working on, for release probably early next year, what I think is going to be the world's first lawyer surf album. <laughs> Great. The Beach Boys inspired. Well, your current album was somewhat inspired by the Beach Boys. Well, I appreciate that. Obviously, that's that's my my idol of the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. But uh, I I think it's really time for a lawyer surf album. And I got to somehow work in something about Bolivian admiralty law into that. There's a surf blog, isn't there? A lawyer surf blog, I think. Oh, I'll have to check There's that out. There's a lawyer surfer blog. Wait, can yep. we hear a clip from this? I understand well, we have. Can you I do, the Actually, I do have something that you can listen to. And, you know, like everything else I've done, uh, I try to make all my songs about what lawyers experience, and I try to make them positive and about things that are important to us as lawyers or that impress us or that we feel good about. And this song that they're going to play right now, which I've just completed, is about something that I really enjoy. And I have a feeling you guys are going to like it. Bob's from Massachusetts, so his socks are red. 
visions of lost sights dancing in his head. Breaks from California, scuba is his sport. Back on land, he's always asking, may it please the court? On Legal Talk Network, they're the host with the most. Just make sure that you don't call it coast to coast. They're lawyer to lawyer. Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you. Malibu to Cape Cod. The hottest legal issues and the coolest guests. The most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the legal journal business, Bob had a quick ascent. On his dispute resolution skills, there's no argument. Craig's a sort of speaker and a Trekkie to boot. Danny Crane with an Enterprise shirt under his suit. One day they came together with the show The Result. It is a legal treasure without it like a vault. They're lawyer to lawyer. Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you. Malibu to Cape Cod, the hottest legal issues and the coolest guests. The most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From taxes to wills, we get the best legal thinking, but never a bill. They're lawyer to lawyer. Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore ya. Malibu to Cape Cod, the hottest legal issues and the coolest guests. The most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for a legal update, Hit play or download and then cogitate In the car, on the train, or even the shower They'll broaden your perspective in less than an hour For three years they've been here and we hope a lot more So we say hit hooray, now get to work on your four They're lawyer to lawyer Pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you Malibu to Cape Cod The hottest legal issues and the coolest guests the most fun you can have while wearing a vest That's lawyer to lawyer Yeah, 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 lawyer to lawyer Yeah, 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 lawyer to lawyer Yeah, 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 lawyer to lawyer Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know about you, Bob, but I think we got a new theme song <laughs> That is fantastic. We we had no idea. Our producers didn't tell us this was coming. Well, you guys are great. It was a real thrill when I was on the show last time. And I want to celebrate and congratulate you on your three years. We do all hope for many more. And this is just a little token of appreciation from the Law Tunes and me. Well, uh, at, at what peer-to-peer uh, -peer network can we get the original MP3 of that? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be posted someplace soon. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so You're much. You're very welcome. Well, uh, tell before you go, I, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find your recordings? Uh, well, aside from a number of dumpsters, um, <laughs> I think the, the simplest place is to go to lawtunes.com. That's www.lawtunes.com. And they're all available there. They're also available at the usual places like Amazon and, and iTunes and uh, stuff like that. And I'm told they make wonderful coasters. 
I think we may be using it for more than a coaster. That was great. Okay. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Very, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us today. And I'll keep you posted on my uh, new album as it comes along. You let us know. We'll be happy to have you back on the show. All right. Congratulations again. Thanks. Bye. Now, now, Craig, do we have time for another clip or two, or uh, where are we here? I think we have some time, Bob. And uh, why don't we why don't we do the one with uh, Ernie? Let's let's do that. Uh, we some of our you know some sometimes the show gets a little bit funny and and or a lot funny. And uh, here we have uh, well known blogger Ernie Svensson, aka Ernie the Attorney, and well known blogger Denise Howell, the the woman who founded the term blogger, B L A W G E R. Talking about what comes up when you Google Ernie's name. And Ernie? And you can Google my first name, Ernie, and I'm right below Ernie's house of whoop-ass. <laughs> <laughs> Denise, actually, the second Denise that comes up is Denise's interchangeable knitting needles. Ah, really? Well, is that you? Been, uh, is that you? You're third on the list today. Stuck I in know. the heart by a knitting needle, then. <laughs> Well, Bob, I think we can also get into character. We're not really very stuffy lawyers, and you know we we can have the most fun when you get into a vest. Uh, we have a wild side too, if you will. Here's Bob getting into character for the show. Well, this may surprise some of our listeners, but lawyers are actually perceived as serious, one-dimensional, and sometimes boring individuals whose lives are dominated by the minute details of the law. Um, that yeah, that was right. And what's and we have a clip. What is this clip? I think it's something to do with surfing music. All right, dudes, welcome back to Coast to Coast. I'm Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. Next up is Grant Hardacre. We are not going to speak about briefs or negotiations in this segment of Coast to Coast. We're going to put on our wetsuits, a 3-2, and paddle out to sea with Grant. Oh, very good, a 3-2. That's <laughs> surfer language right there. So we, there was a surfing lawyer, and of course we that we should have uh, was that was that the Association of Surfing Lawyers? I had f- forgotten about that. Uh, surf riders, surf riders. There is uh, there is an Association of Surfing Lawyers as well. well I was going to ask you uh, whether you have any personal highlights, uh, fond remembrances. Well, you know, there was one that we did just recently, and you know, in the last several weeks, um, and it covered. A, a thing that's been occurring with lawyers that, that uh, have some lawyers have fallen uh, prey to, you know, kind of a, the Nigerian email scheme that's now being done out of Asia, where um, lawyers are enticed to uh, represent clients and then get counterfeit checks in. And, and that show was, I think, a very interesting show. It had some really good guests on it. And we had the guest who actually lost $232,000. I don't mean to laugh about it, but it. Uh, he came on willingly and, and said that he had been duped, and he's now in a lawsuit with Wachovia, which may not matter anymore. But um, he's trying to get it worked out. And there's another lawyer who came on and said that he had been a former member of the FBI, was able to pick up the um, the fraud and not fall prey to it. And frankly, I got one of those emails myself shortly after that show and uh, called the FBI and got them involved with it. Are you sure you're not just saying that's your favorite show because I was away that week? Nothing to do with it, Bob. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. A, a couple of the recent shows uh, have been among my favorites, too. I, I, I uh, thought the show that we did with Judge Gertner, the uh, federal district judge in Boston who, who blogs, uh, was interesting uh, because of, not just because she blogs, but because of what she had to say about the issue of, of judges 
talking to the public and talking to the press and, and uh, you know, speaking on and off the record. Uh, her insights were interesting. And I was just at a conference last week of judges and journalists and uh, was actually able to uh, use a little bit of, of what we talked about during that program uh, in, uh, in, in the setting last week. Yeah, there's been some really interesting shows all along. One of my other favorites is um, having our annual guest, Steve Kaplan, come on and do some predictions for the year. It's, it's always fun. The other interesting thing to be to me, and, and uh, we've talked about this before, is been just finding out how broad our base of listeners really is. Uh, we've mentioned this on the show that, oh, I don't know, a year or so ago, we, we did a map of, of uh, where, where our listeners, uh, the IP addresses of our listeners, and found that we had listeners in virtually every country in the world. And, and since, since then, that's been confirmed uh, in a number of ways, uh, both from emails that we receive from people all over the world and, and uh, from finding, as I mentioned earlier, finding uh, that we're we're uh, mandatory listening <laughs> for a Russian language class, uh, uh, and uh, and others as well. So uh, it's 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 gratiating to know that people are are listening uh, and downloading and uh, tuning in, even though we've changed our name. We have, and uh, I'm now officially changing my name to Craig. <laughs> I guess that means I have to change my name to Bob. <laughs> I guess so. Well. Um, I think it's time to wrap up our anniversary show. I, I can't imagine a greater treat than having somebody write a song for us. That was quite an honor. And uh, we were also honored to have uh, one of the uh, best-known legal bloggers, professional, Professor Eugene Volok, on the program uh, and uh, revisit some of the great moments we had. And I'd like to share your opening in thanking the people who put this all together for us every week. They do a really good job and uh, and just like to, you know, Thank you, Craig, for uh, for three years of uh, a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure and a, an informative one all the way along. I always enjoy uh, talking to you at least once a week and um, miss the times when you're not on the show, Bob. Well, thanks. And we, and we have to start that dollar per download rule pretty soon. I think so. Wink, wink. Well, let's, uh, let's look forward to another show next week and uh, another 150 podcasts coming forward. We'll be back soon. Okay. They're lawyer to lawyer, pack them in your pod, they'll never bore you. Malibu to Cape Cod, the hottest legal issues and the coolest guests, the most fun you can have while wearing a vest. That's lawyer to lawyer, yeah, 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 lawyer to lawyer, yeah, 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 lawyer to lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.